Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another special edition of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. This is Andrew Harith, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Andrew Decker. Howdy. How you doing, man? Well, I'm surprised. We're here again. Again. Uh, it is March the 30th. We actually have already recorded our April the 1 edition, which is right. going to continue talking about the COVID-19 and what it means for our uh, clients and for us and the courts. And yet here we are. Yeah. Um, you know, it just keeps getting crazier and crazier out there. I'm not sure it? if we're really doing our work or if we're just like, this is like random therapy now for us. Yeah, this is probably just to like get us out of our respective homes and keep us busy. Uh, we did get another executive order yesterday from our from our governor. Yeah, actually our governor released a couple of them uh, yesterday. Um, uh, we're going to primarily talk about GA13. Um, most of the defense bar that I know has already seen something about it, uh, either via email or on the listserv or, uh, via TCDLA website. Um, but this, this one, I don't know, I don't know a defender that I've seen or talked to or corresponded with in some form or fashion that even begins to feel good about this one. No, I don't, I don't feel good about this at all. Um, this is, uh, th- this actually like hits really close to home. I mean, this is everything. A, a lot of, um, the code sections that we'll talk about are ones that we use on a, on a daily, uh, basis. So let's just kind of jump into it. Okay. So first of all, I want to say that, uh, I, this is probably the greatest suspension of rights, uh, in my lifetime. Oh, uh, for so, sure. My so, lifetime. so I'm, you know, I'm pushing 50. I've got a couple of years still, uh, but we're going to say in the last half, half century, this is the largest suspension of rights, uh, to persons in the state of Texas. Um, and so that's why we thought this one needed to be, uh, brought again, uh, to your attention. And, and for those of you who are not defenders, uh, maybe who are just kind of lay people or just interested in criminal defense, uh, the reason this is so important uh, I think is because this is your rights that have been suspended. Don't don't view this as oh well that's never it has not happened to me. It's never going to happen to me. That you may not you can't tell the future. That that may not be accurate. So really, the, these rights are written for every single person in the state. Uh, and the governor has just come in and said wholesale we're suspending these code sections. Right, and, and and let's start with where you know in his whereases. Uh, yeah, he's setting it up. He he sets it up, and he starts with Article seventeen point one five of the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure, uh, where what well, well, which which he says which does not include an option of releases that being persons released from custody based solely on concerns or fears surrounding COVID nineteen. Okay, so that's true. So let's talk a little bit about. Uh, Article 17.15, and along with it, Ex parte uh, Cardenas, uh, which really set up the rules and the evaluations for fixing bail in the state of Texas. Okay, let's All right? do that. Because if we don't start there, we're really kind of jumping off in the middle of the river. Yeah, and, let's... And we we try not to do that. Um, uh, so I, I think that's a great starting point, so take it away. All right. <laughs> uh so I, I spend the morning researching this stuff, and, and, and so Andrew's going to be feeding me questions, and I'm going to be reading code books. There you go. Um, yeah. uh, but Article 17.15, rules for fixing the amount of bail. Uh, the bail has to be sufficient, sufficiently high 
uh, so that the person comes back for court. Yeah. That's ultimately the responsibility of bail, right? We don't want someone to be able to, to, to have to sit in custody when a case has not been proven against them beyond a reasonable doubt. And so bail is basically a way to ensure the average person would come back for trial. Right. We don't want to be releasing people from the jails and then never seeing them again, right? right. Like this is a a justice system. Justice must be must be done. Okay, so so the article seventeen one five uh lists that it has to be high enough that the person uh would comply, uh that the power of bail is not to inflict punishment. So it can't be so high that basically it automatically is punishing the person. Um uh, the nature of the offense is supposed to be considered, right? You know, so obviously uh, something like possession of marijuana, marijuana under two ounces, is different than aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon. Right. Those are right. those are completely different offenses. They deserve a different amount of bail and has to be considered. Right. The ability to make bail is supposed to be considered. So. Mr. Harith, you take you take appointments, correct? I do, and and I do as well. And most of the attorneys that we know do, because most you'd be amazed how many people qualify as being uh, indigent. Um, so if they can't afford to pay uh, an attorney, they may not be able to afford bail. That's absolutely right. And so under the law, we're supposed to take the the judge, the magistrate is supposed to take that into consideration. And finally, the future safety of the victim of the alleged offense. Um, uh, And so like in a possession of marijuana, the victim is the state of Texas. Yeah. Right. Victim, air quotes. Yes. Right. But that's who's listed. Yeah, it sure is. uh, And so the safety of the of the state of Texas is probably not greatly suspended by someone who is found in possession of a couple of uh yeah an ounce maybe of right right well i was gonna say say a, a, a you know a weekend's worth you know a couple of a couple of joints worth kind of deal um you sound so square i know <laughs> I am, i'm not a drug user so so i am square in that sense but but <laughs> ex parte cardenas uh gives us some other factors to use so those factors and they're very clear they're they're listed in the case law the workers, or, or sorry, the defendant's work record, the defendant's family and community uh, ties, the defendant's length of residency, like how long have they been in the area, yeah. the defendant's prior criminal record, the defendant's conformity with any previous bond condition, the existence of any other outstanding bonds. In other words, are they already on bond for something else and now they've been arrested again? Uh, any aggravating circumstances alleged to have been involved in the charge offense and whether the defendant is a citizen. Okay. Okay? So that's a lot for a magistrate. Think um, uh, a JP judge, a uh, uh, municipal judge, um, are often the ones doing magistration. Uh, they are, uh, and they're sitting in a jail, and they have a guy or a woman come up, and they, they say, okay, so who are you? Where do you live? Uh, do you work? And they say, yes, I work at the grocery store. I'm making uh, $10 an hour. This is my rent. Um, yeah, I had a little bit of marijuana. Um, and again, I'm using marijuana. Not, I'm not trying to discount it. I'm just trying to say it's a very low-level offense. Right. Right? Right. Um, and 
how long have you lived here? Well, I was born here. Um, I've lived in the area the whole time. Uh, I did go away for a year to college, but it just wasn't for me. And I've come back. That's the only time I've really lived outside the area. Your parents live in the area? Yes. In fact, I actually live, you know, uh, about two miles from, our, from the house I grew up in. Um, are you a U.S. citizen? Yes. So they kind of meet all the criteria. They, 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 they kind of check all the good stuff. Have you ever been arrested before? Yes, I have. I was arrested um, about 10 years ago. I got in a fight uh, while I was at college. Probably the reason I left is I got in a fight at a bar, and I, and, I, and I took time served so I could get out after a weekend in jail. Yeah. Had any clients like that, Mr. Harris? Oh, I've got a ton of clients like that. Well, okay, that's more than me, but I've had I've had a few. But it yeah, but it's and it's not really a big deal. You know, like we, I cuz we always ask every one of our clients when they're coming in whether it's retained or appointed, what's your criminal history like? You know, like, oh, yeah. well, Tell, yeah, and 20 like, years ago I got I got in a little scuffle and or maybe like I got I was in a bad relationship and and I ended up just taking the time on, you know, assault family violence, a regular assault, something like right, that. Right, right. Or it was originally charged in assault family violence, and I was able to do credit for time served on just an assault bodily injury, yeah. not a family member, because they realized it was my my college roommate. This was not this is someone I was semi forced to live with, right? Okay, and yeah. the and the and the prosecutor was yeah semi through negotiation, right? They can waive those things, right? So now, uh, you know. Uh, so well, the judge well, takes all of those factors into consideration, right? Sorry right. to cut you off. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that those are just guidelines for the magistrates to consider. It's not it's not like forcing like, hey, you cannot set a bond if the individual has X, Y, or Z, right? No, uh, in, in fact, um, almost regardless of the charge, a bond has to be set. Right. Now, if you're accused of capital murder, maybe multiple capital murders that that bond could be two three four million dollars yeah right well the idea being we really don't want you to bond out but that's that that's a huge exception a marijuana charge yeah might be 250 500 bond maybe a thousand um relatively unimportant yes right right but in lots of places um they're given a pr bond and what does that mean? What, what's PR? Uh, PR would be personal recognizance bond. Basically, uh, you fill out paperwork, and, and there's a requirement for what has to be included in that. Um, it has to include your name, address, date of birth, driver's license, at least some of your Social Security information, um, uh, a whole list of information, and uh, phone number if you have one, cell phone if you have one, uh, so that they can reach you, and you have to update that. And if you don't, that's a violation of your bond. You can have it revoked. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you list it all out. They look at all, look at your offense. They look at what's going on. They go, "Hey, um, we're gonna, we're not gonna cut you loose, as in you don't have a f- offense pending, but we're gonna cut you loose because it's gonna take us a little while to figure out if this was really marijuana to get you a court date, and because you're in the area, we know where to find you. We know where you work." We're, we we don't see we 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 think you're probably going to show up and right. if you don't you're going to be in more trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a warrant still gets issued if you don't show up with a PR bond, right? Right. But it's just, you know, our they're good they're good for uh or like best case scenario, I guess, for an indigent defendant stuck in jail because they could just get out, you know, without uh without fronting any money. Right, because they're indigent because they don't have a lot of extra money. Right. Right. Um so that's what uh, 1715 and uh, 
Cardenas uh, say, and they give. And then what the executive order does is effectively suspend a lot of the requirements and the availability of a personal recognizance bond and some other uh, what we would normally rely on for, for bonding clients out of jail. So um, he says, based on the ongoing pandemic, um, that there's you know reportedly some counties that are considering releasing individuals, um, what, wholesale? I mean, what's the concern? Why is he going, why is he taking this step? Yeah, that's that. That's the concern. Is that is that somebody, some uh, sheriff or magistrate, uh, in an attempt to alleviate uh, pressures on the local jail system, might just say, "Okay, everyone with an offense that's this level or below, we're cutting you free. Um, we're basically giving you a PR bond." Um, first of all, I've never met a judge that would just say without looking at the record, looking at information or a sheriff. In fact, sheriffs would be, I would say would be less likely to to just release inmates. Just wholesale, empty the jail. So yeah, I mean, that's like one of my things. The first thing that really caught my eye is on the uh, first page. And it's almost saying like, look, I I get it. I'm just basing this off of anecdotal evidence. Um, Nothing, nothing really concrete. I mean, certainly is not any specific area of concern that he lists in his executive order. But he says several counties are now reportedly considering the broad scale release of arrested or jailed individuals as a result of COVID-19, including potentially those who have committed felonies in order to reduce the size of the jail population. Do you, I mean, I think like maybe he's talking about Harris County or Dallas County, but I haven't heard specifically anything concrete that says, hey guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to empty the jails. Um, and certainly I don't think, like you said, any county judge, any district judge, any sheriff um, that has jurisdiction or, or control over a jail population is just going to say, I'm getting rid of all my inmates. Right. They don't want their name on that. No. Um, I, I don't care what party you belong to. That That's bad politics. Right. That's bad news. People like either Republicans or Democrats still like public safety, right? I mean, like I like to be safe in my home regardless of what right. political party and, and, I belong to. And knowing that all judges in the state of Texas are elected, they know if they cut a bunch of people loose and... That's prime fodder. Well, the for, shit. For, hit, excuse yeah. my language, but the shit hits the fan. They're not going to be reelected. No, no. Yeah, right. Right. That's exactly right. And and so some of this you kind of go, all right, okay. So so let's let's take take a step back and slow down. And that's what I that's what I feel like. It feels like just a little bit of feeding the hysteria coming from the top official in the state of Texas. Correct. Right. I I, I feel the same way. So that, that's kind of, um, you know, concerning to me. Whenever I see that, I'm just a little bit on edge. Um, I'm trying, actively trying not to engage in the, in the hysteria. And, um, and I just don't see this as helping at all. I mean, what do you think? So I don't necessarily think that it helps anything at all because it is, well, it, it, well it, what we're going to find is it takes discretion out of the local level. It right. takes discretion out of the hands of the magistrates, the county judges, uh, the uh, 
misdemeanor level judges and the district court judges uh, to be able to do their job, to use their discretion, which is what the Code of Criminal Procedure allows for them to use discretion. Now, granted, there might be some judges that would give a little more discretion, give a sure. few more PR bonds than they normally would. But they were elected. But they were elected, right. and it says they have to use their discretion, and the, ju- the, the, the governor has just removed that discretion wholesale. Yeah. Um, so he gets into the therefores, right? And this is where we... Article 17.03 of the Code of Criminal Procedure is now in all relevant statutes and rules relating to personal bonds. Okay. Are hereby suspended. And he starts with 17.03, which is, well, which is titled Personal Bonds, and it says that the magistrate, in this magistrate's discretion, release a defendant on personal bond without sureties or security, except for B, which follows below. Okay, so if I can still afford a bond, I can post that bond. Yes, you can still post a bond if you have the money to post a bond. I can hire a bonding company, mm-hmm. pay them money. You can pay the cash bond. I can pay the cash bond in full. Um, so not an issue if if I have some means or some access to funds. Correct. Okay. Um, and there are... so so, But that's for any case. Right. Any case the magistrate can except for a few that have to go before the court, which would hear the case if it went to trial or would have the, have the jurisdiction over the case uh, during all pretrial matters. Okay. And those are what I'm just going to, we're just going to vaguely call them serious offenses. They yeah. are, I think, all felonies. We read through them before going into recording. Um, and they are all what you and I would be considered uh, serious felonies. Most of them either are aggravated or violence, um, uh or uh, burglary, robbery kind of stuff. Right. Um, none of them, none of the judges I know, I have seen a few on like, uh, reading through this list, I have seen one or two PR bonds be issued by a district judge on an exceptional case. That falls into one of those categories. That falls into one yes. of those categories. Right. But generally speaking, no. N- no. No, no, no. Like, like, like out of a thousand cases, you're going to get less than one of these on a PR bond. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, so even with the judge's discretion, they're going to go, I'm not signing off on that. I'm not going to be the guy that signed off on releasing someone who just was arrested for aggravated robbery. I mean, but I, you know, like this order suspending this in particular, this, this code section, um, I mean, all of them, really. But it basically says, hey, those of you who can afford a bond who have been accused of this crime, you're fine in our community. But those of you who can't afford a bond, you're not fine. So, like, the poor who are accused of a crime, you're not okay to be present in our community. Yeah, yeah. If you're poor and you've been accused Accused. of, and that's part of what's saying is is that if you've been accused and it's been uh, supported by probable cause. Oh, man. Okay. That you, you PR bonds don't apply. Yeah, and I mean probable cause for you defenders out there, you know, is such a low burden, and it is not uniform from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, right? Like one county's probable cause on a case, and it may not be, it may not be uniform, even case to case in case the same case, jurisdiction right. with the same judge. We why because we all have good days and bad days. Yes, right. Um, on a good day, 
Uh, my kids do something stupid, and I'm like, stop doing that. On a bad day, they do something stupid, and I'm like, you're grounded. Yeah. Well, well and that, yeah, right. I mean, but it's it's such a low bar. How many cases? I mean, every case that's found to be not guilty at a jury trial, which happens every day, has had has been found to have probable cause. Well, all of them had probable cause. Right, otherwise, we wouldn't be would a not trial. Be there. Exactly. <laughs> right. So. That, that's why, like, probable cause to me, when you're like, oh, well, they had probable cause, like, that means nothing. That means nothing to me. As far as, like, somebody being accused of a crime and actually been found guilty or 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 enough evidence to even say they actually did it, as far as right. I'm concerned. Right, Yeah, every whatever. case we handle, whether it's... I feel it's, like I'm getting a bit preachy. Right, right. So, <laughs> so, so, so take a deep breath, Mr. Harith. Uh, um, but, but I appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that we're excited about this yeah um uh but every case we get hired on or appointed on someone had probable cause for the arrest every one of them right that's all it took and on a regular basis we both get cases dismissed thrown out put into a diversion maybe even maybe even never even charged we end up ta- yeah. I've, I've had a few where I've gone and talked to the detective with my client because you, we looked at it and went this is one that we just need to go talk to the detective and go let me show you a few things and they go yeah um we're we're good thanks right. for coming in yeah like it doesn't even make it to a district or county attorney's office yeah but that client has been arrested right probable right. Uh, we have probable cause in air quotes to arrest but they just ditch it and don't even file it in yeah right right um so so that's problematic. In fact, that's problematic enough that there was a federal lawsuit, O'Donnell v. Harris County, which was just finally settled in 2019, just a few months ago, literally, uh, where Harris County was sued in federal court for violating the rights of the poor because basically they realized there was a two two tier system. If you could bond out versus you couldn't bond out, right? Um, more likely to plea, more likely to plea guilty, more likely to take time served, more likely to spend more than forty eight hours in custody. All those things become much more likely if you were indigent and you ended up with a longer criminal record. You ended up with less with more time in jail. You ended up with just a whole slew of problems. And it's why PR bonds for lots of minor, very minor offenses became uh, much more um, uh, usable. Yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, it's a it's a snowball, right? I mean, like you're you're stuck in jail. You even if you did not do it, or or you could have had um, some other disposition that didn't result in a conviction. If you're in jail and you're stuck there, and you get a time served offer, you're going to tell your attorney to take it. I mean, I, I just. It happens, unfortunately. Right. I mean, literally, we've both had this, I'm sure. They look at me and go, I can get out today. I'm yes. like, yeah, you'll be out by about 3 o'clock. They're like, um, okay. And I'm like, look, it's a theft charge. Yeah. This will this will haunt you forever. And if it ever happens again, God forbid. Right. And, you know, and, you, you're and they're like, but Mr. Decker, uh, I can go home and get back to work in the morning. So, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's get it. this done. Yeah, exactly. I even had one where... The, the the reviewing officer wrote at the bottom, I'm not sure that there's enough here to convict to on this case. Like like they put a note in the off in the report. Like more investigation needs to be done, but yes. go ahead and arrest this guy. No, no, no. It was a reviewing officer after he'd already been oh, arrested. Okay. He's in custody and I pointed out to the prosecutor and they're like, Well, 
tell the judge, you know, if there needs to be more investigation. I literally looked at the judge and said, judge, this person needs to be out on a PR bond. And the judge says, I like your argument, but it's denied. And the guy said, I'll go ahead and take it. I literally don't think he could have, they could have made it. Um, and, yeah, and it, it's, that's tough. That's real tough. Right. I mean, because you have to do, as the, your client's advocate, you have to do what do they it, say. Right? And, I mean, but it's it's truly one of the few times where I wanted to throw up in my own mouth as I said, we'll take the deal. Yeah. And, and that's the that's the thing, too, is like, you know, if my client's sitting there telling me I didn't do this, but I'm going to take the deal, I can't I'm, I can't go through with that plea. Um, but in that instance where you're like, look, we have some serious weaknesses on this case. I need you to be strong. Stay in here. We can fight it. Let's go to trial. We'll win. Yeah, I'm and not staying like, no, in, dude. No. I'm, I'm not staying in. I'm I'm guilty. Let's do it. Right. You know? Yeah, that's tough. Anyway, so he also, the governor, he, uh, the governor suspends Article 17151 of the Texas Penal Code is suspended. Uh, and this one, this one we use on a regular basis. Yep. This is where if a case is not, if a f- complaint has not been filed in a misdemeanor or a case not been indicted in a felony, after after a certain amount of time, the person is re- is released with a PR bond. With a PR bond. Regardless, right? Regardless. Yeah. It's suspended. Okay, so let, let's talk about that. Um, on the on the large end, on the felony, it's 90 days. The state has 90 days to say, here's the indictment, which is technically ready for trial. Right. Um, and if the state doesn't have that, they're supposed the, the, the defendant, the client, uh, the, in, the incarcerated is supposed to be released on a, on a PR bond. And the governor has said that's been suspended. Yeah. Um, right. And lots of times the, the, where these apply are in a drug case, especially a minor drug case, but it's a felony, it takes more than 90 days to get the results back. And so the state can't announce ready because they literally don't have the proof. Um, and they have to let this person out. But th- what they're saying is, no, that doesn't apply. On a 30-day case, that's a misdemeanor for that's greater than 180 days in custody. Um, they're supposed to cut them loose. Yeah. They don't have to. Uh, 15 days for a misdemeanor that's less than 180 days in custody is the is the is the maximum. So that's most class B misdemeanors. Um, and five days for a fine only offense. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't. I, I just. So this goes away, and it's not just for you know, quote unquote, violent offenses or offenders, right? Like not based on their criminal history. It's not based on the charge. No, this it just is, says it's suspended. Right. To prevent any person's automatic release on personal bonds because the state is not ready for trial. This one really fires me up because the be, the state, the prosecutors are going through the same thing that we're all going through. They're sheltering in place. They're not going into work. They're trying to work from home, I imagine, I guess. Um, I don't know. But work is going to be delayed. Courts have shut down. Trials have been delayed, pushed off. Hearings have been canceled. Do you think the state is going to be ready for trial at any point in time in the foreseeable future? No, in fact. uh, It boggles the mind. Right. So even without the na- nationwide, worldwide pandemic, these cases, some of these THC cases, are coming back from the lab in what? 
five, five months? Five to seven months is what I'm telling clients. Is if it's a if it's a if it's a drug case, THC, meth, but THC, mar- the marijuana concentrate, right? Right. Get it in a vape pen in Colorado. Bring it here. You're facing a felony. Any amount is a felony. Right. So five to seven months, you're going to sit in jail for the state to say ready because you can't put because you don't have. A couple of thousand bucks to bond out. Right. And most of these defendants being charged with the THC in a vape pen are younger. Uh, they're, they're a younger demographic, maybe college kids, high school kids or whatever. Maybe but they I, don't I, have the money. You'd be amazed at the... At the, at the I mean, not everybody, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, that's a I'm generalization. Ama- I'm amazed most- at the older adults that are going, dude, man, this thing is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, but, but the... It's just, it's shocking to me that we're going to make, not only are we not going to be releasing violent offenders, but all of this crap about you get a PR bond after 90 days, yeah, not going to happen for and, any and case, period. That That's what it says. Um, also suspended is uh, Article 1521, which is the any person who's been arrested uh, and af- before the 11th day is not taken in by the county sheriff. Uh, is released. So usually, so it could be that you're arrested in, say, Arlington, taken to the city jail, and you aren't aren't picked up or transported to the Tarrant County Jail. Yeah. Well, if that hadn't happened in 10 days, they get to cut you loose. Nope. You're going to sit there at this point. But Mm. also, it happens a lot where you have, you've done your time in one county, or you were arrested in a different county, so I'm arrested in, we'll say you were arrested in Waco on a warrant out of Parker County. Yeah. Okay? And after 10 days, Parker County doesn't come pick you up. Waco's supposed to cut you loose. Yeah, right. Nope. Not anymore. Just get to sit there. That, yeah. I mean, this is, this is the quick erosion of our rights based on what justification that during this heightened uh heightened time that we're all experiencing like these people can't be they, they must remain in incarceration right w- w- without without any proof beyond a reasonable doubt that they with committed no adjudication offense. made whatsoever none uh beyond a probable cause I mean, this is if this is not concerning to our, to our, you know, to to our audience. I I, I don't I don't know if we've been doing a good enough job with our podcast, Andrew. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why this morning I texted you at about six forty five saying, "Should we do this today?" And you were like, "Yes." Yeah. Um, because these things are at the heart of the Constitution that you shall not be held without. Right probable cause without a warrant and you life liberty uh property cannot be taken without adjudication you know and i and i think we we've mentioned this too during our our podcast episode on like a really serious like maybe sex assault of a child case or something um why should the average person care when uh when when the government gets to you know, do all this, right? Like, cause it's easy to say like, okay, well, I don't have a violent offense in my history and I don't, I'm not going to commit a violent, violent offense in the future. 
the reason is, these are your rights, and it does not take a lot for you to get arrested for, let's say, an assault family violence. Uh, it's incredibly, incredibly easy. If someone calls 911, how easily someone could be arrested. So that is why you should care. You can be subject to any of these charges at any point in time. It takes one accusation in a detective or reviewing uh, a police officer or somebody to say, yeah, sure, I think there's something there. Right, right. And remember that based on some of our previous executive orders, when those punishments come in, uh, we're not looking at a minimum of you know zero to three days. We're looking at a minimum of 180, 180 days, days. six months for an assault family violence. So literally, you could sit you could sit there the whole six month waiting for trial. That's right. Yeah, I mean that, right. that is. So we're going to go. There's there's one more piece that also um, removes a lot of discretion from our usually really from the county sheriff. Uh, and that is discretion of good time or trustee status. Yeah. Um, especially on misdemeanor cases, someone who's uh, got a criminal trespass, a, a marijuana charge, maybe an assault family violence, a DWI, something like that. And, and not that we're saying these are not important offenses. We're saying that these are low-level offenses in the criminal code. Right. Right? Yes. Um, but lots of times, those end up being, if they're indigent, they end up being pled out. Um, uh, and the person was willing to take the plea because they know they get two for one or three for one. They get good time. They get trustee time. And so they get told 30 days in jail, but they know, they know 10 days. Yeah. So, so it's just explain for maybe our defenders, maybe our lay persons. So two for one, three for one, when we say that, you know, what, what does that mean? Okay. So two for one is generally in the county jail, you're going to get two days credit for every day you're in. Okay. Uh, three for one, if you're a trustee, or in some counties, if they're just really full, are going to give three for one because they they, they, they they need to clean out a jail. Yeah. Or you're a trustee, you're actually working uh, while in custody, you know, doing some pretty crappy jobs. Gross stuff. Yeah. Um, or just manual labor. And so they end up using that to say, hey, this person's actually done something to to earn some credit. So they get three days credit for every day that they're in. So that's when you're saying, hey, on a 30-day sentence, you, you know. You might do 10 days. I'm going to I'm going to do 10 days if, you know, if all works out. Right. Okay. So the what the governor has said is you cannot be released under this order during the time of this order for credit of earned or good time. Okay. Or trustee status time. So so, so I, I guess a sheriff can't turn around and say, no, I get it. We're not going to give you a PR bond, but all of these individuals who are supposed to be earning three for one, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and cut them out. Right. It, or, or even you've earned your three for, you've earned your three for one. Yeah. So maybe we, that's the agreement you had or the understanding that you had when you accepted your plea deal. Right. Right. So, so someone, you did a jail run on Friday. Yep. I okay. sure did. I'm going to give you a hypothetical. Someone was arrested on Monday okay. for a simple assault fa- uh, bodily injury. Okay. Right? We're not even going to put family violence in there. Sure. Um, and the prosecutor says 30 days. You find out they're a trustee. So when you see them, they've got about 15 days credit. Right. 
Okay. They need another about five days. So that would take them to about April the 1st. This order comes down. When do they get out of jail? April 1st? No, no. No, and this is why it's really important for our defenders. If you're doing like a jail run or you're talking with people who are incarcerated and they ask you like, okay, good time. What am I looking at? Always tell them is what I always do. And I know you do too. That's up to the jail. Yeah, right. It's That's up absolutely to, up to the jail. It's up this, to the sheriff. What I'm going to tell you is you're released. You know, this is the time that we're signing for. If the jail cuts you loose, two for one, it could be this day. Three for one, it could be this day. But this is the deal you're signing for. So Right. And under this, they're signing up day for day. Right. Exactly. Now, if the order gets rescinded, the, the governor did say they can accumulate good time. Right. So you could be earning that good time, but, and then but Mr. Later Hitz, when, on, when does this order end? Oh, just whenever the governor feels like it. Yeah, the executive order shall remain in effect in full force until modified, amended, rescinded, or superseded by the governor, signed the 29th of of March, twenty twenty. No end date, like our other executive orders, to say this is going to extend until whenever. This has no end date. Those executive other executive orders you know, like the shelter in place or the closing down of the non-essential businesses, those are going to be lifted on a specific date if they're or, not extended. Right, or they have to be renewed. Or Right, and they, yeah, or the executive order has to be renewed. This one does not. This could stay in place until we get a new governor, until, you know, whenever. Well, at least as long as he says that there's any... Um, uh, Anything under the disaster proclamation of March 13, 2020, codifying uh, or certifying under Section 418.014 of the Texas Government Code that the coronavirus, COVID-19, poses an imminent threat of disaster for all counties in the state of Texas. Yeah, but I, when I read that, I'm thinking like he's setting up. This is why that's his justification for issuing this executive order. But still, even after that all goes away... I, there's nothing in here that says this this executive order is gonna is gonna lapse. It's it only it is only this executive order is only rescinded, meaning we get our rights back whenever the governor feels like rescinding the order. Uh, possibly, I'm gonna go with possibly. I think Mr. Harris taking the I'm the, the doomsday approach. The doomsday yes. approach. I'm yes, gonna, I'm this gonna, is I'm how gonna take we... the approach that that. <laughs> Uh, if the disaster order were comes to an end, I just don't trust it. I don't trust. I I think I, I think what's going on now is it takes a situation like this where everybody is hysterical and wanting some kind of uh, control and leadership, and and some of these actions I get it are warranted. I've been trying to stay home as much as possible and only leave my house to podcast, which is essential. <laughs> um, but <laughs> we are we are defenders. We are considered essential we workers. Are. Um, I think this is a, this is too much and too far. This suspends rights that every single person needs, and it does not have an end date. And I and you're right. It it may be a doomsday approach, and it may be um, a little bit conspiracy theorist of me. But I, I just don't which trust is not, it. Which is not your normal approach. No, and I don't. But I just don't trust it. I don't. Right. I'm, right. I'm very. I'm highly skeptical of anybody suspending any rights that I have. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And it's why uh, TCDLA, the Texas Criminal Defense Lawyers Association, our president, uh, our current president, Carrie uh, Donica, has formed a subcommittee 
uh, of the COVID-19 response task force designed to handle this. They've already uh, formed the committee and they're going to be meeting uh, via, uh, my guess is something like Zoom today. Um, uh, and a shout out to TCDLA and to our president for, for jumping on this, realizing this is not a joke. This is not a drill. Yeah. This is... You well, know, I, I foresee maybe a couple more special updates from us. Um, you know, not that like we should be your source for news, but you know, if we can if we can help like clarify some of these things and and uh, maybe even get Carrie uh, to call in and yeah. give us uh, maybe an update on like what the task force is doing, what steps can we take as defenders to help ensure that these suspended rights. Um, that you know that affect all of us are are instituted or reinstituted back um, as soon well, as possible. Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I I didn't think we'd ever do a special edition. I didn't think, obviously, we recorded uh, April first a few days ago. We didn't think we'd be doing this again. Yeah. Here we are. Well, and they just shut down traffic, right, outside of uh, or between Louisiana and Texas. <sighs> yeah. So executive order number twelve. Uh, I mean, literally, Lord. literally, uh, suspends people coming into the state from Louisiana and from uh, several other states. Uh, we don't, we don't have a constitutional right to travel to yeah, any other state no, or that's, anything. That's so. also been suspended. And, and that one does have a, uh, so someone coming in from Louisiana, Florida, New York, the tri-county area up there, tri-state state area up there uh-huh. coming into Texas, uh, without having either military, uh, health response uh, emergency response or infrastructure response or trade and commerce. So in other words, if you decided to go to New York to see a Broadway show, realized there weren't any and flew home, you've now got to go into quarantine for 14 days. DPS will follow up on that. And if you don't, you're facing 180 days in the, in the County jail and a thousand dollar fine. Fun times we are living in. Yeah, these are good times. Um, Mr. Heath, we've run long today. Uh, I guess that's what happens when you're talking about stuff that we get passionate about. Yeah. Well, and, and, and literally changes what we thought the rules were. Oh, man. I know it. W- without even an argument. Um, yeah. So uh, this, we'll, we'll get this up and post it as soon as possible. Um, guys, y'all, y'all just be safe out there. Be safe out there. Wash your hands. Wash your hands and and stay tuned. We'll be back uh, with another special edition, I'm sure, before too long. All right. Bye.